Warning, this podcast is rated not safe for work for profanity, sexual innuendo, and general silliness. And here we are. Welcome back to the Macabre Academy. Uh, episode 33, which will probably be ab- labeled as episode 37 because we're a hot mess express right here. Uh, <laughs> this week, you're just going to have you're going to have Steffi, Nerdy Witch and myself, uh, Notorious D.U.K. at Notorious D.U.K. Follow me on Twitter. I need friends. Uh, Brandy is once again going through some shit. So it's just going to be the two of us this week. You poor bastards. So, you know, what's what even we talk- worse is what's my that? computer shit the bed. So I don't have my recording studio. I'm on my lap, my shitty ass laptop <laughs> to do the episode. That's all right. We'll make it work. We've done we've done worse. So this <laughs> week we are talking about, and I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's oh. aliens. <laughs> I'm so excited because I made Kevin watch the shittiest documentary ever made. <laughs> Oh, that's five hours of my life I'll never get back. <laughs> oh my god, that was terrible. Well, it's it's weird to begin with, and then it's incredibly slow to get started, and then they they do some reaching. Like I thought H aliens reached, but this documentary, oh my god. Whatever ladder they're on to get there, I need that ladder because it's the strongest ladder ever. It, de- was- it definitely came it definitely came from secret bases on Mars. well i think the best part was is i was the first person to watch it it's called uh, above majestic on hulu don't watch it do yourself a favor just skip it no in fact probably skip this episode because it's gonna be brutal (laughs) don't skip this episode we need the listeners if you're gonna skip it put it on just drag your volume all the way down just play in the background yeah that's fine but we need those listens I wish I could read you the group chat from the play-by-play the first time I watched it. Kev was that like, was something magical. Yeah, he's like, Stephanie, you went too far. You went too far down the internet. You reached the end. Turn back now. <laughs> it's so good, though. I, I'm a sucker for a terrible documentary. Oh my god! This was—I've seen some bad documentaries. This thing was garbage. I mean, there was a few things that were interesting to me, and of course, so those are the things I chose to elaborate on. But I mean, there's some. Wait, just wait. I keep. Oh, it's it's some bullshit. Well, once we get to the Society Three Twenty Two and how that affects our modern politics, I keep telling the story on cigarette breaks at work. Like I can't wait. It's so good. All right. Well, let's stop beating around the bush and get into this. We got stuff to cover. Yeah. Okay. So I got the densest stuff first. So this is more my wheelhouse because I studied religion in college and I have read the Vedic texts of the Mahabharata. So when they started talking about the Bhava Gita, which is a select section of this giant epic poem, I lost yeah, I my know, shit. I don't know what that is, but it sounds like a delicious delicacy and I want to eat it. Actually, I think if you actually broke down the story, you would think it was very interesting because it's generally chronicles the life of Krishna, the Bhava Gita, and um, it weighs what it's like to be in war. Um, also, one of the sexiest lady mans ever ma- made. Like, he's an interesting god. We're going to have to like discuss him separately at some point because I would love to do the um, Hindu pantheon at one point. 
but we're 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 gonna zero into the Bhagavad Gita, okay? Um, what's interesting is if you actually read the Bhagavad Gita, it implicitly like concludes that a universe full of div- like the universe is full of diverse life forms, and consciousness pervades the whole galaxy. They are not assuming that we on Earth are the only ones at all. And it's very progressive in that way. Whatever, stop pulling the chair. All right. So whoever wrote the Bhagavad Gita, I, I, I look, we're just going to go with whoever. Um, there are a lot of evidence for extraterrestrials in this text, which is interesting. So there describes a sighting of an airship long before the Wright brothers ever decided to get in that little fucking airplane. Okay. So I have two. Was it a Jefferson Starship? <laughs> Maybe it was more like a um, Jefferson uh, Airplane. No, I have no idea. I was just going to pull nerdy references for spaceships, like the Millennium Falcon. And I keep losing my video. I don't know why. Okay, whatever. So, okay. nope, video's gone again. Just, just screw it. I think I just breathe wrong. All right. And you're back. And I'm back. All right. Well, I get to do this episode from my armchair, so I'm like exceptionally comfortable. But if I move wrong, my camera cuts out. It's fantastic. We're roughing it this week. (laughs) Yeah, don't worry about the camera. Okay. So there's two quotes I want to read about this airplane shit from the Bhagavad Gita. All right. At one moment, the magic airship built by Maya Dun, whatever, by Maya, appeared in many identical forms. And the next moment, it was again only one. Sometimes it was visible and sometimes not. Thus, the opponents could never be sure where it was. This is from the text. Also, it says from one moment to the next, the airship appeared on earth, in the sky, on a mountain peak or in water, like a whirling flaming baton it never remained in any one place what did what would you do kev if you read that in like the bible what would you think i'd be wondering why i was reading the bible first of all (laughs) that was like you in the gym i was like i was at the gym watching fox news and you're like why the gym listen this is a this is a topic we can cover after the pod because this will be a rant that is too long for this pod I love how much you detest manual labor that the idea of a gym is just disgusting to you. It's not even that. Okay, that's fine. I was, I want you to explain it. (sighs) Okay. We're in the middle of a pandemic that is spread by people breathing. And you're (laughs) in an enclosed space with real shitty ventilation with a bunch of other particles from people's mouths that can hang in the air for hours. It's not You're just any- not being smart. I'm in the box store all day. It's the exact same thing. But no, people, it's not the same thing. It's similar. I'll give you that. But it's not the same. All right. Kevin's mad at me for being stupid. I appreciate yes, the basically. I have At least it's love and concern. I it is. It. I don't want you to die. Then I have to do this all myself. <laughs> yeah, we did promise sound made in a hundred episodes, no matter what. That is the point. I don't have that kind. I don't have that kind of stamina. 
<laughs> Luckily, I do. <laughs> okay. So I have more quotes about uh, spaceships in uh, Hindu texts. So you Love gotta, me a good quote. Oh, yeah. Hang on. I got to try to explain this because I, I studied this. Bring it down for us. Okay, so I'm not going to read the name of the Bengali text because I can't say it. Okay. Yeah, but, that's a lot of consonants. Oh, it's so many. But there are stories based on the Mahabharata and the uh, Bhagavad Gita. This is a story that is from like medieval times about an avatar of Krishna. Okay. Movie? No. Oh. Actually, I just got done watching Avatar the Airbender and I'm like in love. I'm like, I don't understand why I didn't watch this the first time it came out. I have no idea. So now that I've derailed us yet again. It's fine. So basically, this text, also written a really long time ago, based on the stories of the Bhagavad Gita, has expanded on them. And in this version, uh, uh, a form of Krishna experiences frequent visitation from otherworldly beings. So I have more descriptions, okay? Three are people from the three worlds used to come visit. Anyone who saw him received a transcendental treasure of love for Krishna. Inhabitants of the seven higher planetary systems, including the demigods, the Gandhavas, and the... Kur Look, I can't say this one. It's K as in kite, I-N-N-A-R-A-S. I'm sorry, I'm a white girl. And the inhabitants of the seven lower planetary systems, including the demons, serpentine, living entities, all visited that... Uh, form of Krishna in the dress of human being. So um, there are several Krishna literatures that all specialize in encounters of the non-material kind. So, okay. Yeah. There's a lot of stories. So in fact, I might've mixed up which quotes came from the Bhagavad Gita, the Bhagavatam and the uh, chart, the other one, I can't even say it. Just We'll go with me. We're doing our best here. We're doing yeah. our best. I know it because I studied it. I can weirdly enough fucking spell it on a test. But if you're going to ask me to pronounce it in Pittsburghese, not going to happen. All right. But the part that this documentary kind of zeroed in on was uh, the quote from the Bhagavad Gita directly. It says, um, a bolt of iron charge with the light of a thousand suns. So they think that this little tiny snippet was possibly a description of radiation sickness uh, attached to it. Plus there was screaming, dying elephants, and shadows left on the ground from the blast. <laughs> Speaking of radiation sickness. Okay. I can't remember the name of it. I'm going to Google it while I talk about this. Um, but there was, this was during the Cold War. and. One side, I believe it was the Americans, decided that it would be a great idea to take a nuclear reactor, okay. slap it in a missile frame, 
and fly this motherfucker around the planet. Why is that a good idea? It's not. But <laughs> I love how just no. <laughs> this is a weapon that we developed to to send to Russia and circle the planet, just pumping out radiation for, you know, all eternity. So it's still in orbit. No, we never actually did it, thank God, because it would have ruined the entire planet. The flying crowbar, that's what it's called. A crowbar? The flying crowbar, that was the name of, that was the code name they gave for the weapon. Oh, shit. It was called Project Pluto. And what they did, it's, uh, I'm just going to read it from the, from the website I found it on. At its core, Project Pluto was just a cruise missile. Well, not just a cruise missile. It was a cruise missile designed around a nuclear ramjet engine. And the acronym uh, for it should give another big clue about the pants-filling nature of it. Pants supersonic, filling? yes, supersonic low-altitude missile. It means it was a giant reactor that was screaming at about, oh, treetop level. Hmm. Uh, once the missile was launched, the conventional rocket boosters would jettison and then it would just be flying on the reactor. So essentially it was an unshielded reactor that would heat the air as it entered, where it would expand and be expelled out of the engine's nozzle, prov- providing both lots of thrust and potential and plenty of radioactive material. I mean, I could go for lots of potential thrust. I'm fine with that part. So this is where we were during the Cold War, that we were just going to slap a giant reactor in a missile frame and send it around the fucking planet. <laughs> Actually, do just you want to... radiating the whole goddamn thing. Uh, at least somebody thought better of it. Yeah, seriously. Well, what sucks is like, we're I'm I'm trying to explain like a little bit about the nuclear age based on that quote of the iron charge with the lights of a thousand sun. But before yes. I do, I just I want to go back to like the the Vedic texts again. Why is my meeting gonna end in 10 minutes? Oh yeah, we only do have 10 minutes. What the hell is this shit? Did you not sign into the right account? I might have not. Listen. All right. Sound Maiden. Put elevator music right here. Okay. So... There are some things I want to look at from the text more specifically because I feel like it 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 kind of paints a better picture. So in the text, you also see anti-gravity te- uh, Stephanie, anti-gravity crafts. They're called um, viminas, vimanas, and they have <laughs> particle beam weapons. They don't produce any sound and they pass through mountains and they're driven by blue beings with magic abilities. Always fun. Right. 
There's also these uh, things called rakashas or rakashash. They're reptile snake people. <laughs> they're uh, technically called man eaters. And uh, they're often depicted as shape-shifting, fierce-looking, enormous creatures with two fangs protruding from the top of their mouth and having sharp claw-like fingernails. All right. All right. So they're, they're thinking that this might be the aliens, supposedly, on this documentary. <laughs> um, these, these things, these rakashas things, they have like ferocious ones and they're depicted with flaming red eyes and hair and they're drinking blood with their palms or from human skulls. Okay. Yeah. And generally they could fly vanish and they had magical powers of illusion so that they could change size at will and assume the form of any creature. Okay. Now in the world of the Mahabharata, they are a very populous race and they fought alongside armies of both good and evil. And because they were such powerful warriors, they were also excerpt expert expert <laughs> magicians and illusionists. They could also assume difficult forms, right? So they were capable of creating appearances, which were real to those who believed in them or um, failed to, you know, whatever. So they were they were nicknamed man eaters, basically, and they would slaughter on the battlefield. And then they would occasionally serve as rank and file soldiers in service of a, a, a warlord, basically. So they think that this might have been one of the master races that were driving these fucking things and causing the spaceship sightings in the Mahabharata pretty uh graphic description of these freaking aliens that's if you believe they're aliens i'm not saying they were aliens but they were aliens probably yeah so the nagas are also very common decorating temples and they are divine deities or semi-divine race of half human half serpents that reside in the netherworld. And sometimes they take human form. I don't think the documentary did a very good job of describing the Rakashas and the Nagas. They just mention them in passing, but there's like no description. So, um, okay. So they think that in the, the, the Bhagavad Gita, right? I know I keep saying this. They think that that was like a nuclear explosion. So in the documentary, they go immediately into the Trinity bomb test of 1945. So, okay. do you know anything about the Trinity bomb test of 1945? I do not. All right. You did remember them talking about Robert Oppenheimer a lot, though, right? Yes. Yeah. So he's the father of the atomic bomb. And he had, for some reason was aware of these quotations from the text I had been going over. And he is quoted as saying, we've done this before, but like, I guess Oppenheimer didn't know the repercussions of detonating the first nuclear bomb. 
And that went off at 529 a.m. on July 16th in New Mexico. So I have a description of what the explosion was like, too. So when it detonated, the energy was equivalent to 22 kilotons of TNT. The desert sand, which has some like silica in it, melted and became a mildly radioactive light green glass. They named that uh, Trinityite. The explosion created a crater approximately 4.7 feet deep and 88 yards wide. It's pretty big. Yeah. The radius on this motherfucker was also 330 yards. At the time of detonation, the surrounding mountains were described as being illuminated brighter than daytime for one to two seconds. And even back at the base camp, they could feel the heat from this explosion. Is this where Whitney Houston breaks into song? Perhaps. But I can't think of what song you're talking about. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. So the roar of the shockwave from this bomb took about 40 seconds to reach the observers and was felt for 100 miles. This fucking mushroom cloud reached seven and a half miles high in the sky. That's how fucking big this is. So, like, they, for some reason, had no idea how destructive this force would ultimately be until that bomb went off. And and they kind of just justify it because they thought it was, like, the best way to end World War II. Yeah. There's a lot of debate around that, but... I mean, I'm not well-versed enough to get into all of it. So it's also probably another episode. Yeah, I mean, you the only reason to create massive bombs of destruction are war. In peacetime, you don't need a fucking mushroom cloud seven and a half miles high with a 300, whatever it is, yard detonation zone or whatever. So... Years later, Oppenheimer would explain another verse that had entered like his head at the time. And it said like, um, okay, we know the world could not be the same. A few people laughed, a few people cried, but most people were silent. I remembered the line from the Hindu scripture Vishnu is trying to persuade the prince that he should do his duty and impress upon him his multi-arm form. Now I become death, the destroyer of worlds. I suppose we all thought that one way or another when the bomb went off. So back to the documentary. (laughs) There was this guy, Corey Goad or Goody or whatever. Do you remember him? Uh, Yeah. He was some sort of insider. Now, he asserted that the extraterrestrials saw us using this nuclear shit because apparently the repercussions of the bomb, like its energy rippled throughout the fabric of space and time itself. So he's saying that all the planets and shit are connected through electromagnetic filaments, 
which he's calling the cosmic web, or I guess alien theorists or scientists agree on this word, word for this cosmic web. Okay, but it's considered how extraterrestrials travel and communicate. So when we detonated this thing, we said, hey, ETs, we can do this fuckery, but we don't know what the hell we're doing. And it's kind of projecting that humans are immature and dangerous. So the guy goes on about the need to raise consciousness to properly operate that kind of power. And he says, as above, so below, which is an incredibly witchy statement. Because it, it's, yeah. Okay, so I did some quick research here. All right, what do you got for me? So the when we dropped both of the bombs on Japan, we killed initially 80,000 people. Ugh. Okay? Okay. 35,000, an additional 35,000 were injured. Over the next, call it three months, and I split the numbers here, so the the range they give me is a lot bigger, but I split the numbers in half, and an additional 180,000 people were killed as a result of the bombs being dropped. The official U.S. government estimate, if we had taken Japan by force of arms, invaded the country, would have been... I'll split the numbers again. I'll split the numbers again here. Roughly 3.3 million allied casualties, and we'll call it 600,000 were fatalities. Wait, back up. So that would have been if we had invaded. The second, the second numbers I gave you, the, the we'll call it. Like I said, we'll call it. I don't know. 3.3 million casualties of just allied count. Just allied casualties, not including Japanese casualties. Just allied forces would have been roughly 3.3 million. Their estimate is between 1.7 and 4. So I split the difference. 1.7 to 4 million people would have been injured. And then of those, between 400 and 800,000 were to be killed. Were the expected numbers by the U.S. government at that time. So the bomb was less bad? The bomb killed less people. However, there are the far-reaching ramifications of the fallout, birth defects, all those kind of things. I'm not saying one is better than the other because I'm not in a position to make that call. I'm with um, you. I don't, I don't know. However, that. if you're looking at strictly from a casualty and fatality standpoint, the bomb did less harm. In those terms. Well, according but, to the people here, the aliens were not happy we did that shit. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just giving you numbers for what we were talking about before. But yes, I mean, we will it, continue back to the documentary now that, I, now that I have Danton us off course yet again. No, but that's interesting trying to figure out, you know... It's kind of. Do you do you know the uh, uh, the 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 train? What train? Hypothetical one where if you could switch the track to instead of killing five, you could kill one. Oh yeah, the uh, all those type of things. Yes. Yeah. So I saw a another documentary where they tried to apply that in person, and they set up like a fake train situation, literally a fake train situation. 
where the person ducked out of the operation controls and the, the, the unassuming person was standing there and then they see the bells going off and they have an option to switch the tracks to kill one person instead of five because they don't know how to stop the train because of the, the control board. Right. Not, most people were afraid to do anything, so they didn't touch it. And a few people switched it. That makes sense. Yeah, but the, you know those things in application, trying to weigh those out, especially in war, I couldn't imagine. Couldn't imagine. I mean, if you can look at it as a basic math problem, it's easier, but I don't know if you can do that. But again, I've gotten us so far off track. Well, ah, trains, see? Trains, tracks. tracks. Yeah. yeah. Um, but okay. So, but my point being is that this guy is saying that the extraterrestrials don't like us fighting with each other. Don't like us messing with bombs and shit that could ripple through all of space and time. So what the extraterrestrials are asking us to do as a race is to become more aware and more mindful. And if you do that on a personal level, you'll see that reflected throughout all of society. So it goes on to say that like there are people who are very credible witnesses from the military and corporations that confirm that UFOs will appear in front of nuclear missile installations and completely air quote power them down. Oh yes. I remember this part. Yeah. 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 So in March, 1967, Captain Robert Salas, which was a uh, Air Force lieutenant, talked about losing control over 10 Minutemen nuclear missiles during reports of a UFO sighting. And they described it as red lights hovering overhead. What happened was, is all the missiles shut down in rapid succession despite multiple backup systems. So it should have been impossible for those missiles to get powered down. Right. And then these lights zipped off to another base where the same thing happened. And then there's also multiple occasions where this isn't, this has happened again, but that's not just domestic. That has also been reported overseas. In the 90s, the U.S. and the USSR all had nuclear warheads completely melt down simultaneously and not be able to fly straight. So they think that's a warning from from the uh, the extraterrestrials. Could be. Witches, I am in love with this family-run business, Mystical Existence, the bath products that turn your ordinary self-care ritual into a celestial experience. As a witch, my bathing habits are sacred, so I was overjoyed to find products that not only smell amazing, but don't irritate my sensitive skin. My favorite scent is Scorpio which was designed with Maggie's daughter and the perfume her mother used to wear at heart. All soaps, lotions, and bath bombs are handmade 
with supplies that are purchased from ethical and responsible manufacturers. A portion of the products are vegan for all you animal lovers out there. As the wheel of the year turns, new products are designed to match the seasons. Currently only available in the United States, you can find Mystical Existence on Facebook, Instagram, or at their website, mysticalexistence.com. For 15% off, use our promo code MACABRE. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E. So what's also interesting is it, the documentary kind of moves on from there to a lot of shit going on with like the Nazis. So I'm sorry. I know I got to switch to paper notes. <laughs> Go me. So the Germans did this exposition in the thirties to Antarctica. Do you remember that part? Yes. Okay. So they found these geothermal heat pockets under the ice, possibly from underground volcanoes. And they thought it was the perfect place to build submarine bases and a spaceport. This is the Nazis. Yes. So Americans um, kind of got into it at one point with these giant ice complexes underground and they were worried about antarctica so they wanted to make it a neutral zone so there was a 1950s treaty that stated only peaceful research could be conducted in antarctica right um so in the 60s they started calling it project ice worm and these underground like facilities that they were building in the ice uh, NBC said something about nuclear biological testing, where they were experimenting with cloning chemical pump, gar- compounds and dark research and possibly reverse engineering alien technology there. Yes, that is a thing they, they as a thing that was presented in the documentary. Yes. And they're saying this stuff is still going on today. They are saying that. Yes. I wanted to fact check if there was actual ice based because this treaty seemed kind of legit about peaceful research because there are scientists in Antarctica researching shit. I don't know if it's penguins yes. or aliens at this point. <laughs> Love me a good penguin. Uh-huh. They're all cute. They waddle. They always look like they're dressed up for something. I love penguins. I do. Gotta love penguins. So Okay, so there was this dude in the documentary. His name was Tompkins. He was 93 years old. And he had been, air quote, selected by extraterrestrials to... Got a lot of good probing. Yeah. So they were like, okay, so he had special insider knowledge as well. And he collected info from 23 German spies stationed in Antarctica. Or, no, no, not Antarctica. It doesn't matter. There's 23 German spies. And they were able to report that Germany was making bizarre vehicles with wings and landing gears with no tails. There was, like, schematics of a triangle 
vehicle, a circle vehicle, and a square, which I thought was also interesting. So they wanted to bring somebody in to keep researching this, to go in and uh, uh, what the Germans were trying to do. So they had to find somebody (laughs) who didn't know what the fucking Atlas was in the Navy and didn't. Yeah, and did not have access to written knowledge. They decided, like, they were saying that the systems of education are designed to navigate away from the truth that the aliens are giving us. Like, physics is wrong, medicine, history, everything in textbooks is purposely. No, you misunderstood. You misunderstood what they said. All right, go ahead. Clear it up for me because my notes are shitty. They didn't say anything about an atlas. They said Annapolis. I wrote down Atlas. No, it's Annapolis in Maryland. Why wouldn't he not need to know anything about Annapolis? Any, no, it was anything from, they didn't want somebody who had been to, to Annapolis, which is, I believe, where the Navy conducts its training for all of its officers. Thank you. But still, like they were saying about. The rest of what you said is, the rest of what you said is, is what they said in there. Okay. But. It's it, it's not an atlas. It's the naval training school at Annapolis. You know, you might have watched it twice. I watched it once, and I wrote down atlas. Yeah, you're wrong. I'm I'm allowed to be wrong. That's fine. I I room for improvement. Room for improvement. I see what you did there. Ah. <laughs> All right. So Tompkins is this this guy who's getting all this information and they have this big meeting on Germany's shenanigans. Okay, he's he's this guy. Puts together a package of photos, manuals, and I guess some of these manuals that the German spies collected were written in alien hieroglyphics. That's what they claim. Yep. And they also went to secret labs for testing spaceships and submarines in space with alien techs. Like watching this documentary, watching a submarine fly through space like it's a, a shuttle was just like, I, I don't know if I should have taken it seriously or not. But they uh they supposedly took these submarines in space and developed fleets. And they had like modular sections with multi-purposes fuselages. I, yes, yeah, that is what they said. Yeah, and it progresses on thorium, electrical point generation, which was still in use today somehow, magically. I don't know. I don't science. But apparently all this shit happened in 1942. Yes. So, And this was all inspired from what the aliens gave the, gave the Nazis. Yes. <sighs> so somehow they decided that Hitler made treaties with this malicious reptilian alien race. They call them the Saurians. Yes. They had a settlement on the moon and Mars in 1939. And they sure did. And these insiders that were with the German spies saw them firsthand also in Antarctica. And they described them as being big, scary 
18 to 12, 24 feet smelly reptiles. Definitely did. But that, okay, the only reason I'm mentioning it is that sounds weirdly familiar to what I had stated in the Bob Vegeta previously in the beginning of the episode. Reptilian yes. race. Just saying. I'm not saying it's reptiles. But it might be reptiles. Yeah. The reptiles are actually guarding the money pit on Oak Island. They don't want you to know about that, though. They're not going to show you that in the, in the documentary on uh, History Channel. No. Fresh, fresh info right here, people. Fighting the alien, fighting the alien reptile overlords on this pod. <laughs> Come and get us, motherfuckers. Come at me. Oh, my. Actually, if you want to do an interview on the podcast, I would love to get me a good Saurian on here with the mic and see what they have to say. Come at us. <laughs> hit us up. Hit us up on Twitter. You can hit us up on Instagram. Slide to those DMs. Let's go. Uh, okay. So the last thing I want to discuss in part one of Above the Majestic Alien documentary was the DC flyover of 1952. I don't know if you can fact check this while I'm talking about the documentaries version. But apparently there were mass sightings right over the Capitol building. of lights from like German aircrafts or something. And they came, the aliens in league with the Germans for the DC flyover for operation paperclip or something, which was trying to like force the U S government to accept that aliens are real and present in our, in our everyday. Like they exist. Do you know what else? Do you know what else this is called? What? The big flap. You're you're bullshitting me. I am not. <laughs> no, wait, what? This is from history.com, a periodical of note. <laughs> says, and I quote Okay. Second this is the second full paragraph on the website. So if you want to go find it, you can check me. <laughs> The Washington, D.C. sightings of July 1952, also known as the Big Flap, hold a special place in the history of unidentified flying objects. Mm. So, no, I am not bullshitting you. (laughs) That is what it is called. (laughs) Oh, my God. Big Flap. The big flap. I'm just a ma- You know what? I made the mistake of looking for new porn the other night. Hang in there with me. So I was perusing my favorite website. Hang in there with me. And there is apparently this lady with a giant, massive, like, vagina. Oh, hang in there with me. And it was like... The flaps were non-existent and it had exploded outward. It was like the size of a head of cabbage. And I couldn't even look at it. Like I, I couldn't even believe that it was real, like somebody's real vagina. So when you say the big flap, that's like the first thing that came into my mind is this weird misshapen alien vagina on my favorite porn website. Oh, this got us off track. I know. I can't even. I'm trying to do research, have a professional podcast, and you just make a complete right-hand turn. 
my sister knew what she signed me up for. So did our listeners. It's fine. Well, if they didn't, they do now. Yeah. So I just, okay. So I just want to kind of like conclude about this DC flyover before like we get into a whole nother episode. Because I feel like there were two two sections to this documentary. So somewhere between this Antarctica shit and the Germans and the end of World War II and us teaming up with the Germans, we started developing some sort of like secret space program with labs and shit. Yes. And apparently even Kennedy, I guess he's the first president that was like really involved in our secret space program. And he, he personally looked into the tech and CIA operas operations around the secret space program. And they think that's why the, the documentary, why Kennedy got assassinated. Yes, that is what they proposed. Yeah, he was going to spill the beans about these uh, conspiracy, secret society, uh, alien shit going on. And Yes, that is what they proposed. Well, he had a speech, too, prior to dying where he said that secrecy in free and open society is dangerous. It's not the exact quote, but that's what I got from the quote. It was close enough. Yeah. That, that's close enough to the quote. Yeah. So that is Aliens Part 1 of the Secret Space Program. Not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. I still, I can't, I'm still trying to like wrap my mind around them saying that all written knowledge is trying to divert us from the truth of aliens. I think that was the hardest pill for me to swallow. Okay. If we can, let's take a minute here, right? Okay. So there's several different theories, I guess we'll be polite and say as to how aliens first came to interact with this world. One is that they came from another civilization way more advanced than we were back when everything was still forming and put their DNA into the primordial soup. And then that started the whole thing off. And eventually, when we have interstellar travel, we're going to find other races that have the same seeding genetics as the aliens who left it here. I like that theory. There's, it's gentle. It's plausible. There's another one. There's another one that says that, you know, the Egyptian pharaohs were actually aliens, which we'll get to in the second part. Stay tuned for that, kids. <laughs> and they were ruling over us and mating with us. And that is how things took from there. And that they're still here it is also part of this theory that they never left. They're still here and they are in their own secret society and culture and everything else that nobody actually knows about. And they are still running the show. So if we want to believe the second one and there's more that I'm not going to get into because we're pressed for time. Somehow we fucked up our Zoom. We only have 40 minutes at a time, so I'm keeping this short. Um, so 
if that second one is true, that they've been here since before Egypt was the power that it was back in the day, then they would have easy access to determine what is written in the books that we are taught, because as we all know, history is a story that is told by the winners. And if you're the prevailing race at the time, you can write whatever the fuck you want because you're the only people who can read it. <laughs> right? Yeah, accurate. It's, it's poignant. Right? Because like you're not teaching the dude building the pyramid how to read the fucking hieroglyphics that you're painting on the wall. Right? It's, it's your people teaching certain people that you've picked to write this shit and what the fuck it means, and it can mean anything. Like, you could, like, it's like teaching a baby how to read. Oh, what does that word say? It says it, and it's actually like because. You know what I mean? Like, there's no frame of reference. So, whatever you tell them is the frame of reference. So, we could be having, so it is entirely plausible if you follow this line of thinking that the aliens are running the fucking show and we're just, taking whatever they give us as what we've learned and thus true. Well, it's definitely something to marinate on for a week until our listeners get episode two. And for us, it'll be like 10 minutes. Yeah. I think this is one of be one of those times where I want to go revisit Twitch or get on the discord and have an open conversation. I recently started pushing the discord because you can have live real-time conversations with me and kevin and other people who listen yes we could act and actually i have an idea i'll talk to you about off the pod yeah so get on our discord god damn it get on a discord it's free yeah you get can get there. me and kevin at almost like any hour of the day through the discord you can it's so easy to talk to us directly it's not even fun. i got i'm actually going to go in there right now and turn notifications back on yeah, I've I've been trying to I posted an article about Nirvana on there that I found after our Kurt Cobain episode and I was trying to get a discussion and Ed from House Nevermore was like what is this here? What is this doing here? It's not the link to your show and I'm like I know this is an after show thought. What do you guys think? Was it suicide? Was it murder? Like I was trying to get the conversation going because honestly, I don't think we can really afford to dive into Twitch hardcore until the new year the way I wanted to. But we are going to also requested was a Book of Shadows uh, workshop. So we'll definitely do that on Twitch too, I think. But that being said, tell me you got a weird but true. I don't have one in front of me, but if you want to kill 30 seconds, I'll find it. Should I like strangle it? Should I drown it? Do I need salt and lye to kill seconds? Yes, definitely. I'm just, I'm just definitely need and a wood chipper and a wood chipper. Definitely a wood chipper there. No, God damn it. I mean, there's just so many ways to kill time. There really are. I already did that one. Do you one. think arsenic works on time? See, with, with what I like with time is a little bit of sage. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Stay tuned for Kevin's Twitter. More episodes or recipe ideas. 
Oh, I have recipe ideas coming out the yin yang. Ah, <laughs> uh, god damn it! Where the fuck is it? Okay, weird but true. Two thousand and eight. Suspect this may actually be a pot idea too. So stay tuned. Um, suspected serial murderer Ricky Simmons was found dead of heat stroke in the trunk of his then ex girlfriend's car. Investigators on the case believe that he was waiting in the trunk to ambush and murder his ex-girlfriend when he became locked in the vehicle. <laughs> that backfired, didn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes, it did. <laughs> That's kind of like a full circle in reverse, like counterclockwise. <laughs> there you go. I knew I had a weird but true hiding in here somewhere. That's a good one. I like that one a lot. All right. We're going to sign off now. No, we're we'll back with you next week. Lies. No, no, no. We have a. Da- well, that's right. We have the. We have the dares. Okay, my darling witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. You must be a Patreon to participate, so you can earn points for your house. Each month, the house with the most points gets to vote on weekly non-offensive dares, topics of future episodes, and so much more. Each week, once you've gotten your dare, you must safely and creatively complete a post on social media so that we can see that you've done the task. You can tag us at Twitter at Macabre Academy, or you can tag us on Instagram at The Macabre Academy, and you must include a hashtag with your house name to obtain the points. The world is a fucked up place. These dares are designed to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into the world. You must safely complete your dare. If you are unsafe, your points will not be counted. You can also earn additional points for your house by being the first to submit episode corrections to us at themacabacademy at gmail.com. Also, if we use your ideas or stories in a future episode, more points may be awarded. Let's return to the podcast to see what your weekly non-offensive dare will be. How dare you? Sorry, I gotta, I gotta pee really bad, so I'm just trying to end this. All right, well then, I will randomly close my eyes and choose a number. No, I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere, but I'm just saying. Okay. You got a chunk between 30 and 38, and there's a lot of holes between yeah, 70 and 80. Oh, we got to plug those holes. Oh, yeah. Fill all of them. 35. Oh. uh, Pick up some trash. There you go. Yeah. I'm on my way over to Brandy's right now. Ah! You know what? My new neighbor that moved in downstairs started ditching all the stuff she didn't want in her new apartment in my backyard. So I have to go fucking pick up somebody else's goddamn garbage. So, well, there you go. You already got your dare done. I know, but I think it's important that, you know, we clean up messes that aren't ours. Because you can't just leave it there to rot because whoever fucking threw it there is such a garbage human being. Litter is bad, people. Okay, that's it. That's all I got this week. All right. We will catch you guys next week and look for a funny picture on the Twitters. On the tweeters. I just found one and I feel personally attacked. (laughs) 
All right, guys, have a good week. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. Make mediocre decisions. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>